It's time for a wellness revolution. Brought to you by Hotsi Health and Wellness Center. Honest discussion on maintaining health and wellness naturally to enjoy a better quality of life. He's the doctor fighting to let you keep your doctor. Now, Dr. Stephen Hotsi. Welcome to Dr. Hotsi's Wellness Revolution. I'm Stacey Banfield here with Dr. Stephen Hotsi, founder of the Hotsi Health and Wellness Center. And as always, you can download our podcasts at hotzepodcast.com. That's H-O-T-Z-E podcast.com. So thrilled to have this guest on today, Dr. Stephen Sinatra. And there's so many misconceptions about heart health, which is crazy, right? Because there's so much information about cardiovascular health. It's always a hot topic. And yet a lot of false information out there. So we're so pleased to have Dr. Sinatra with us on the program. Dr. Hootsie. Thank you. Now, remember, I believe that you and every individual needs a doctor and staff of professionals who can coach you on a path of health and wellness naturally. So as you mature, you enjoy a great quality of life. You're brimming with energy. You got get up and go and got enthusiasm and you're not having to take all these pharmaceutical drugs. And I like to associate with other physicians that hold the similar view that coach their patients on a path of health and wellness. And one of the most influential doctors in natural approaches to health, some people call it integrative medicine or functional medicine. I just call it natural, good old-fashioned, healthy, good common sense, natural medicine. And this is what Dr. Sinatra practices. Dr. Sinatra is a cardiologist who practices in the Hartford area of Connecticut in a city called Manchester. And we're going to ask him how he developed his integrative approach to treating cardiovascular diseases. But what he has done, and I've followed him, and I've read his books and his articles, and he's taking people that were on death's door and used natural approaches to health and revived them and had them live out scores of life, you know, 10, 20, 30 years after that. His expertise is grounded in 35 years of clinical practice, and he was chief of cardiology there at the uh, at the Manchester Memorial Hospital for 18 years. He was in charge of medical ed- education. He founded the New England Heart Institute Center there in Manchester back in 1987, and he's been a prolific author and a prolific um, internet, having a website where he gives information to his patients and has hundreds of thousands of people that follow his work and take his recommendations as far as vitamin and mineral support and other recommendations for good health. So, Dr. Sinatra, it is my honor and privilege to have you, one of the leading doctors in natural approaches to health in America and in the world, on our program today. So, welcome to you. Well, thanks so much, and that was a, a very gracious introduction, by the way. So, you know, well, I meant everything of it. I was so excited when I saw that you were, I had, if, if you're like me, you're busy. And so you get these things handed to you. Okay. Tuesday is my day where I do podcasts. And so it came on my desk last night. I looked down and there was Dr. Tenpenny and then I pulled the pull. I said, well, that's great. That'll be an interesting conversation. <laughs> then I pulled back and they got Dr. Steven Sinatra. I went, holy cow, this is payday today. So I've been looking, <laughs> I've been looking forward to this visit. Now, Dr. Sinatra, just so our listening audience can know, tell us about your background, where you grew up, where you went to college, and where you went to medical school, and how you ended up deciding to go into cardiology. And then tell us the story of how you made your transition where you decided to go off the rails of what normal cardiologists might do, and you decided to adopt or investigate and eventually adopt 
more natural approaches to helping people get well. Okay. Yeah, that's that's sort of a mouthful, but uh, <laughs> if I can... <laughs> that was a long question. Start from the beginning. If I, if I can weave it together, <laughs> um, you know, my mother was a diabetic when I grew up, and jeez, uh, when I was 12 years old, I used to come home from school, and sometimes I would find her on the floor in sort of a diabetic shock situation or a coma, and at an early age, I, I decided that uh, I wanted to save my mother unconsciously. I mean, uh, that was my unconscious belief, and, and the unconscious drives are much stronger than the conscious ones. Sure. You know, I, I learned that later when I pursued a psychotherapy training program. But, um, you know, in high school, I was an athlete. I was a, I was a, a wrestler, and I got into college on a, on a, on a wrestling scholarship. And, uh, you know, and with my mother's background in, in diabetes, I, I decided to go pre-med, and I got into medical school, and, and then basically um, trained yep. at Albany Med, and uh, took a lot of electives at Yale. I, I took uh, gastroenterology at Yale, dermatology at Yale, did my neurology training at Yale, and then when I was in uh, two years of cardiovascular fellowship at St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, I did my pediatric cardiology at Yale as well. So I was fortunate to have uh, Yale only about an hour from you know where I was in Hartford, and um, you know I became board certified in internal medicine and cardiology and. Um, I was on a great career, and uh, I was, you know, conventionally trained. And then all of a sudden, uh, when I passed my boards in cardiology, I was only 31 years old, I met this Dutch chemist uh, on a telephone. He was a uh, 91-year-old chemist. His name was Jakob Rintz from uh, Holland. And uh, uh, he, was, he was a Ph.D., and he was treating some, some of my patients in common uh, and there was one patient that from Ohio that had high blood pressure, and I got on the phone with Rince, and uh, he needed bypass surgery, but he never had it done. He said I cured my arthrosclerosis, and I said, Jesus, that's interesting, you know. And uh, and he, I go, how'd you do it? And he said to me, <laughs> I'll never forget it. First of all, he's 91 years old. He's erudite. He's funny. He's sharp. I mean, he's quick. And that, if I make it to 91, I would love to be just like him. And he's, he's stating, well, I started phosphatidylserine, phosphatidylcholine, various forms of vitamin E, magnesium. And to be honest with you, I didn't even know what he was talking about because uh, and I'm writing all this down. And as soon as I got off the phone with him, I just felt this, this glowing energy to become more like uh, him and his training so I became a traditional cardiologist in recovery, <laughs> and uh, I started to take courses in nutrition. I I went into a psychotherapy training program in Gestalt and bioenergetic psychotherapy, and then I ended up becoming certified as a bioenergetics. It took me ten years of training postgraduate at the wow. medical school, and uh, then I took the boards for the American College of Nutrition, and I wanted to learn you know more about nutrition, and then I wanted to learn about anti-aging medicine, so I took that you know certification examination and so my background has been in mind-body medicine uh, anti-aging medicine nutritional medicine vitamins and minerals and and I started to make my own formulas back in 1990 when I w wrote my first book lose to win and uh, I started to use coenzyme q10 in the early 80s um, and I met Carl Folkers and Fred Crane who discovered CoQ10 and you know I met all the 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 big leaguers in CoQ10, and right. Dr. Belisnikov, and you know, but, but they're all deceased now, you know. And uh, 
so so CoQ10 became a big interest of mine uh, in the early 80s, and I've been using it for like 30, 35 years now, and uh, I've written a lot about CoQ10, books on it, you know, peer-reviewed literature on it. I've done independent research in the mouse model, the horse model, right, <laughs> the well, human this... model. Now, so CoQ10 has been a big, uh, you know, a, a big weapon, so to speak, in my arsenal of, of treating, you know, you know, people because, look, a good doctor, and, and you, you sort of said this in your introduction, I mean, uh, all of us doctors use pharmaceutical drugs. I mean, look, as a heart specialist, when I have a person who's dying or in pulmonary edema or a massive heart attack or complex arrhythmias or heart block or, you know, if and if, if they're in an emergent situation, doctors like myself will use any pharmaceutical drug it takes to save that person. You know, it's almost like a child with refractory asthma, you know, or status asthmaticus. You will use anything you can to, to, to get a person to feel better. Uh, but where a lot of the medicine falls apart is in the treatment of chronic illness. Right. And the problem that I see where medicine is going today is too many doctors are relying on pharmaceutical drugs to treat chronic illness, not emergent situations, not emergencies, whether it's obstetrical or neurological or cardiac, but they're using drugs too quick on the drawer, and a lot of these drugs have side effects, so we have to be careful. And, and meeting rinse at my early age was really a, uh, an aha for me, where it got me on the right track. And uh, so, I, so I'm, I'm sort of an integrative physician, you know, in emergencies and in, in situations of, prof, of profound heart failure. I'll, I'll have to use pharmaceutical agents, but then when I get a person stable, then I'll use my nutritional diet therapies, mind-body interactions, grounding, earthing. I mean, it all comes together because what any good doctor wants to do, anybody, is alleviate suffering in their patients. That's what we're here for. And uh, if, it, if, if that includes pharmaceutical drugs, so be it. If it includes earthing or, or nutritional therapies or vitamin and mineral therapies or mind-body interactions, all the better. So that's sort of the doctor I've sort of emerged into over 40 years. So <laughs> I hope I didn't bore you with that well, long no, it's, introduction, it's a, but, what, what, but that's what, what happened. Listen, you know? people love a story. How did you get to be where you are and to be so such a strong advocate for natural approaches to health? And what was the pathway? Uh, all of us, you know, is meeting with other physicians in our in in the field that we're in in the in the integrative or natural approaches to health field, when we meet other doctors, they've all got stories of how they got there. Something happened. It was interesting. What if you hadn't made that call to Jocko Rentz? What if you hadn't made a call that night and talked to him? What, oh, would, yeah, you, what would your life, funny. what would your life, what if you didn't know him? What would have your life been like? What would have happened to all the tens of thousands of patients or hundreds of thousands you've helped online? What would have happened to them? So it's interesting how God and his divine providence in, brings things into our lives that change the course of our lives. I mean, it was, I mean, that's dramatic. How did, how did, uh, did he have any articles? Did he have any writings, Jocko Rentz? No, I mean, um, uh, he, he did, but he was a Dutch chemist. Um, and he was an older guy. Like I said, he was 91. I mean, he was a PhD in the, in the chemical oil industry. Isn't that And then he just branched out. He developed a Rinse formula. Uh, it was a vitamin nutritional program that, uh, I started to use. You know, how does he spell? Know, rin- how did he spell rinse? R e n s e. R i n s e. Rinse. Jakob. J. Well, they call him. You know, it's the Jacob. Dutch is Jakob, but it's Jacob Rinse, Ph.D. Um, Interesting. And, and he had the. That's he, how I got started. But but you're right. I, I think God has a big 
hand in this. You know, when I met Tommy Roser about eight years ago, and we wrote the book Health Revelations from Heaven and Earth, I mean, you know, when, when Tommy was run over by a car and went back and back to heaven and back, I mean, he was planted in my path for a reason as well. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, as a heart specialist, that I've I've had the unusual experience of is that I resuscitated about 20 people who had stories to tell me. In other words, they they went through the tunnel of light, they went to the other side, and they came back. Uh, so when I met Tommy, who had the most profound life-after-death experience that I've ever encountered, I mean, I mean, you know, Tommy tells me, like, you know, 20 years on Earth can be like four minutes in heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, it, it's like incredible. But Tommy spent probably 15 minutes in heaven, which could be the equivalent of 30 or 40 years on Earth. And um, uh, the, the, the knowledge that he got inculcated into his brain uh, when he was with Jesus Christ in heaven was incredible. And that's why we wrote the book, Health Revelations from Heaven and Earth. And, and one of the greatest joys I've ever had in my life was meeting Tommy Rosa because um, he, he validated, you know, a lot of the um, theories I was proposing, you know, the coenzyme Q10, right. metabolic cardiology, grounding. I mean, all that stuff was verified in heaven uh, by the ascended masters. So, Is that right? I mean, yes. I mean, for me, meeting Tommy was, was unbelievable. What's his last name so, again? I think it's Rosa. Rosa, R-O-S-A. And and that book that was my last book the uh, uh, the health revelations from heaven, um, you know Doc I'll send you a, a copy of it. I have some in my office. I yeah I'm gonna have I'm gonna well, that'd be Greg I'd love to have a signed copy that'd be Greg I'm gonna get Stacy daughter one just in case you forget. <laughs> yeah just make sure you email Joanne and uh, we'll do that um, we'll we'll get, I'll with get you. you a copy. Now, and Tommy somebody should have on your show if you want to talk about. You know the uh, the uh, sort of spiritual metaphysical right. elements of healing. I mean, he's amazing at, at he, he's a great healer himself, and he survived against all odds. And he's incredible. It's well, unbelievable well, I, well, what he has survived. I'll get I'll get his number from you at the close of the, after the okay. program. We'll do that now. In talking about coenzyme Q10, now those that know me know that in our part of our regimen here at the Hotsey Health and Wellness Center, we put almost all our guests on coenzyme Q10 at some dose. And coenzyme Q10, of course, is very important for energy production within the cell, particularly within the cells of the heart. And it enables the body's mitochondria, the power plants within the cells, to produce and use energy and transfer that energy in the form of, of currency called ATP, those electrical currents, coenzyme Q10 is very important for that, for the energy production within the heart. Now, the doctors have come out and the pharmaceutical companies have come out with this idea that it's a bogus idea. I think it's a myth. It's a hoax uh, that cholesterol is the cause of heart disease. And, And so we've got a bogeyman and, hey, why don't we make a drug and this drug will lower cholesterol and we won't have any problem with heart disease. We're going to heal people. Well, it turns out that the drug, the statin drugs, whether it's Lipitor or, or Crestor or whatever the doctors prescribe, they adversely affect the liver's ability to produce coenzyme Q10. So, doctor, tell us your take on the statin drugs and its adverse effect on, on cardiovascular function. Sure. I mean, I mean, statins, there's no question, they have a light side, but they also have a very, very strong dark side. 
and uh, and statins are, are not for everybody. I mean, um, I used to be the cholesterol choir boy when I was chief of cardiology at in my institution. I used to lecture for Merck and Pfizer, and uh, this is when I was young in my in my thirties. Uh, and then I, I used to believe in a cholesterol theory of heart disease. <clears throat> until I read an article that was produced in 1982 in the Indian literature. It came out of India, where they were, or it was 86 or something. It was, it was when statins first came out. It could have been 1990. But basically it said that um, statins uh, are, are marvelous cholesterol killers, but they also knock out the same pathway that produces coenzyme Q10 in the body. And uh, I had an, a huge disconnect when I read this article because I said, how can something be so good for you, be so bad for you at the same time? So I stopped lecturing for Merck and Pfizer, and uh, I didn't lecture on uh, cholesterol anymore, and I wanted to dig really deep into it. And then I, uh, you know, some of the medical journals asked me to write articles about or editorials about cholesterol, and, and I did, and um, I really researched the topic. I mean, I really read everything I can get my hands on. And as a board-certified cardiologist, um, I realized um, in my, oh, I'd say 50s, I was, you know, this is about 20 years ago, that um, you know, statins did have some utility, but not by lowering cholesterol. And the West of Scotland study really showed this. This was a good study that was done in the early days of the statin drugs. Uh, they took these high-dose, um, well, smokers. They, they smoked about two packs a day, these men in Scotland. It was a West of Scotland study. And it showed that in smoking males, um, statins had an advantage not only in preventing heart attack, but a slight advantage in longevity. And it really impressed me. But the researchers of the study uh, said that it wasn't due to cholesterol lowering. You know, It was due to the fact that statins have a blood thinning effect and an antioxidant effect as well, and that really appealed to me. So um, when I did more research on statins, I realized that um, you know statins in a certain population, and the population is really men, and it has to be young men, uh, you know, men less than age 75, uh, where you know if you want to use the antioxidant uh, potential and the blood thinning potential of a statin, that's okay with me if you're treating a male with far advanced coronary disease, but you have to give coenzyme Q10 at the same time. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Now, would I give statins to children? Absolutely not. Do I give them to the elderly? Absolutely not, because of the uh, you know central nervous system effects, you know, the confusion, the memory, the dementia, et cetera, et cetera. And women, I don't, I don't believe in statins in women. Even women with far advanced coronary disease. The only time I give statins to women is if they're really getting out of hand, if if they've had you know rebypass, if they've had you know accelerated coronary disease, despite you know only natural interventions I've done. I mean, um, but statins have a small role to play. But again, young men, uh, even with familial hypercholesterolemia, where we get cholesterols of five, six, seven, eight hundred, you know, um, uh, some of these young men, um, you know, will far better on statins, especially if they've had MIs in their 30s and, and 20s. And I've had men in my practice like that. So, But that's know, a very small subset. Of the population of the, of the population that's taking statin drugs now. They listen. I I have a uh, a friend that one of my staff members uh, that uh, that uh, works as a maintenance man had some chest pain and we took him over to the hospital across the street and 
they said, well, they did uh, angio, they did uh, angiogram on him. He said he had a blocked LED, left anterior descending artery, and you know needed to have bypass surgery. So I asked the doc, I, and he said, I put him on, and this fellow's, I guess he's got to be in his 60s, and, he, and he, I, he said, I put him on, I've got him on statin drugs. I've done this, that, and the other thing. I said, let me ask you a question. Did you check his coenzyme Q10 level? No. Do you yeah, check? I question. said, do you check your, do you ever, this is cardiologist. Do you ever yeah. check the coenzyme Q10 level on any of your patients? Oh, no. I mean, well, there's really no proof that that really, you know, started to double. And they'll prove that by any difference in coenzyme Q10, blah, 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 you know. But I caught him and uh, he had, and th- then I have another, uh, another guest of ours, a young man who went to the Heart Institute here in Houston. Of course, you know Houston's a big heart institute with right. Cooley and DeBakey and the whole bunch, you know. And I sent patients to DeBakey decades sure. ago. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, this this young man is about 28, and he was diagnosed down at the heart center as having cardiomegaly, cause unknown. Right. You know, didn't know I had it, just had it. But he was being seen by the cardiologist that was head of the transplant. Uh, he was the head of heart transplant, and he said, "These are the four steps we'll go to. We're going to try to treat you with drugs, and we're going to put a, uh, we're going to put a uh, pacemaker in, and then we'll try something. If that didn't work, we'll do a bypass. I will do a transplant." And so I, I, I came in, I came in, and I, his mother had asked me to see him personally. I see very few guests, maybe twenty, but anyway, I, I decided I'd see him personally, and so I, I visited with him about his problems and. Interestingly enough, I looked at all the blood work his cardiologist had done, and, you know, it's a standard deal. But he, he told the car- cardiologist, well, I'm kind of feeling a little depressed. Well, I'd be depressed, too, if somebody was telling me I'm going to have to have a heart transplant. And you know he's got a, he's, he's on track to get a heart transplant. He's in that program, and they're going to get him a heart transplant. They'll just do it step by step, but he's not going to get well. You just know that because you've seen it before. So understand it, conventional medical care. So the doctor sends him to see a psychiatrist. He said, well, you need to take an antidepressant. He just got it the day before. I said, you don't need an antidepressant. I, I don't believe in those things at all. So you don't ever take one of those ever. That's just that that's just poison. You can't you don't ever take that. You're not depressed because you're low in, you know, effects or or, yeah. or Paxil or anything like that. That's not why you're sick. But I looked on this blood test and the cardiologist had done a coenzyme Q ten level. Oh great. It was probably in the basement. It was in the gutter. It was, I mean, it was yeah. point one or one or point one. It was down on the bottom. And I went like, yeah. now why would a cardio, why, I didn't talk to the psychiatrist. Why would the psychiatrist check a coenzyme? Well, he must be thinking out of the box. He's checking other things that most doctors never check. And so I said, so I brought the young man back in. I said, well, I told him right there. I said, look. I know you need coenzyme Q10 before I looked at the test, but your doctor didn't even do a coenzyme Q10, and he doesn't have you on coenzyme Q10. He had him on beta blockers. He had him on, you name it. You know, he had him on ACE inhibitors. He had him on everything. You can impress diuretics, and you name it. He he was on a pot full of stuff, all the things that you, and plus, I don't know if he had him on a stat, but he was on everything. And I said, look, you need coenzyme Q10, and I sent him an article. I went and read, literally went and read your articles on the treatment of that to make sure I was going to be aggressive. And I think he, I have him up. I think I have him up now to 600 milligrams, and he hasn't gotten worse. He, he he's working now. He's not having any uh, orthopnea or dyspnea. You know, uh, he's he's doing well. 
exertional dyspnea. He's doing well. His energy level isn't back where he would like it to be, but he's a relatively new guest. Yeah, yeah. It's only right? been a, it's only been a couple months. But I say that whole point in that I talked to two. There's two different cardiologists I've come in contact with, and neither one checked coenzyme Q10. Nor do they give coenzyme Q10. No, it's, it's but they put them on statin drugs. How yeah. can they now, doctor? It's not like this is not in the literature. This is well known and well documented in the cardiology literature. What no, it is? It is. How do they yeah. not? How do they not? You know Sherry Rogers, don't you? Yeah, I know Sherry. Yeah, yeah. you know well, Sherry's just she's outstanding, and and of course I've I've read her books, a number of her books, but she has the one book is your cardiologist killing you, which is just a fascinating read. And uh, and she just goes through and says, this is all, and she's got it all, do- it's all documented in the literature. What are they thinking? So it's amazing. Uh, you you have had the strength of personality and of ego to do what was right and figured out a way to do it and still make a living. A lot of guys would like to get out of the insurance-based product, but you and I both know that when they're in there, they have clinical practice guidelines they got to follow. If they don't follow them, they don't get paid. They're out of the program. So you're pretty much locked in to what the insurance companies say you've got to do. How have you been right. able? How have you worked around that? Is that why you set up your own uh, separate? Well, I mean, uh, I, I mean, I really didn't have a lot of difficulties because I had so much training behind me and so many board certifications, and I, and even when I was practicing cardiology on a day-to-day basis, I had written about ten to fifteen books. Now I have about twenty-five books. And um, you know as well as I do, I mean, when you write a book and not an expert, you realize, you know, how much you didn't know. So, um, you know, when I, when I was writing all these books and writing all these papers in the medical literature and, and really studying coenzyme Q10, um, you know, I, I sort of empowered myself more and more. So I never really suffered, you know, like some of my contemporary colleagues did. I will tell you this about coenzyme Q10 because it's it's something that I I feel that you know I'm very close to and 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 I'm just blessed that I met many of the you know world experts in it before they died. But like with the, the modern medical establishment the way it is now, and even in the patient you were taken care of, there are so many pharmaceutical drugs that deplete coenzyme Q10. You know, antidepressants do it, beta blockers do it, um, some ACE inhibitors do it. Uh, oral uh, hypoglycemic agents that patients take, you know, for blood sugar and diabetes, right. they do it. So there's so many drugs that doctors unknowingly are are giving their patients that deplete coenzyme Q10. And the problem is, is that, see, you know this and I know this, but the coenzyme Q10 is really the master spl- spark plug of the body. It's no question. I mean, it is the 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 one element that we need to fire our mitochondria, and, and, and without the mitochondria firing, uh, you know, energy production goes down. And even in this patient that you put on the coenzyme Q10, just remember that um, metabolic cardiology, you know, requires ATP. Right. Now, the center of the ATP ring is ribose, right. and a I five-sided give... sugar. Right. So in most of my patients, well, I would say every one of my patients with heart failure, I would always add ribose to it. Right, I did. When you're adding ribose, you're giving them ATP substrate. Right, right, uh, right. Which the coenzyme Q10 helps to turn over. And I'm sure you put them on carnitine and and magnesium as well. Oh, sure. I got them on that plus vitamin C, and I have a whole vitamin regimen. 
I was gonna and Doc, you're gonna you're gonna prevent so many heart transplants. <laughs> I mean, I must have prevented. Oh my gosh, I must have prevented. This is not an exaggeration. I would say eighty to a hundred heart transplants in my career. I mean, I've had so many patients that were on heart transplant lists that came off. Uh, I have one now. This is amazing. Um, I saw an eight-year-old boy about, oh, let's see, he's 31 now. So was he 23 years ago? Mm-hmm. I saw an eight-year-old boy in my office. I'll never forget this. The parents were crying. They were sobbing. They couldn't find a heart transplant for their son, and he was dying. And uh, they came to see me because I heard about what I was doing in adult cardiology and blah, blah, blah. So I, I, I put him on CoQ10 and only carnitine and magnesium at the time. Um, I didn't even know about ribose back then. Mm-hmm. And um, he's refused heart transplant three times now. He's the oldest living singlet outlet, double outlet ventricle in the world. He, and he's in his early 30s. It's amazing. But um, it's, even some, in, some of these congenital uh, heart problems. I mean, you've heard of Tetralogy of Fallot? Yes. Have you sure. dealt with that one? I haven't ever I had a, with, uh, a newsman I'm... fly up from Brazil whose uh, daughter, um, <laughs> uh, he couldn't afford the $700,000 for the operation on his daughter. And uh, he put her on metabolic cardiology when she was like two or three years old. Now she's 15. And, um, and she has Tetralogy of Fallot. She had Tetralogy wow. of Fallot. Oldest living Tetralogy of Fallot. And uh, so, see, I'm glad we got into this little aspect of metabolic cardiology because um, in 2009, I read this article from the Scandinavian literature. It was in the journal called Nature. Have you ever read that journal before? No, I haven't. Uh, it was by Swedish colleagues, uh, 2009. And I got to tell you, Doc, I never felt such joy in my entire life after reading this article. Because back in 2009, I would question why all these patients I had on metabolic cardiology were living. I couldn't understand it when, you know, they, they had ejection fractions of 10, 15, 20%. And then all of a sudden, they would leave, live 5, 10, 15, 20 years. It was like, you know, incredible. It was like a miracle. <laughs> like a miracle. And it was too many miracles happening. Because remember in medical school, I don't know how old you are, but, you know, I'm, I'm like I'm your early age. 70s. Yeah, I'm 60, and 67. I remember in medical school... The five-year survival of heart failure was worse than cancer. Yeah. That's what they taught about. I think it still is. It it is. It is. So basically, when you treat conventional, you know, when you use the conventional approach to heart failure, I mean, ACE inhibitors, you know, diuretics, pacemakers, digoxin, they can only go so far. You've got to build energy into those starving heart cells for energy. Right. And that's where metabolic cardiology comes in. And the big big four on that are... Coenzyme Q10, magnesium, L-carnitine, and D-ribose for sure. That's a building Correct. Block. That's the foundation. Sometimes I had to use taurine, and, you know, sometimes I use licorice. I mean, I, I, use, I use anything that would work, you know? Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, but, but basically, the, the, basic, the basic of metabolic cardiology with the, with the four nutrients you mentioned. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal on that. When I read this article in 2009, I had this great joy because... What was the article the, about? It was about the Cold War and about the atomic explosions that were done in Nevada and New Mexico in the 1950s. It was about carbon-14 testing. Are you familiar with carbon-14 testing? No. We can tell the age of all oh. our cells in our body because okay. of the, radiate, the okay. radioactive nature of, okay. of atomic bombs being blasted in America. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is amazing stuff. This is, this is out of science, right? So in other words, they can tell the age of your cells. Now, 
what came out of this article in 2009 was that um, our own intrinsic stem cells, you know, the stem cells in our bone marrow and right. our fat cells, that, and by the way, this is the, the hottest thing right now in medicine, I know. is stem cell implants. I mean, everybody knows about this. Right. But what we didn't know is this, Doc. This is what we didn't know. We didn't know that our own intrinsic stem cells are in our fat cells, our bone marrow, and they work until our early 80s. Now, suppose you devised a nutritional program that could excite the stem cells to do their job. <laughs> right. That's where metabolic cardiology comes in. In other oh. words, metabolic cardiology turns on ATP, and ATP, now I can't prove this, that there's one missing link, that, that, uh, but an article came out in 2017 by the same group of researchers where they verified uh, their, uh, their data in 2009, and it's showing that stem cell revival or stem cell renewal uh, by, by taking agents that can excite your intrinsic stem cells, it's almost like developing a new heart and that's what I think is going on with these people. That's what I think what's going on with the teratology of Fallot, the doublet outlet ventricle, all the cardiomyopathies I've seen, is that the metabolic cardiology is breathing life into, into our own intrinsic stem, stem cells, cells. Yeah. to do its job, to do their job. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, th that really is amazing. We're very interested in stem cells. Don't have time to, to cover it on this particular topic would like to do that but I want to visit with you after the program because I've got some very interesting developments that have happened along that line. This concludes part one of our interview with Dr. Stephen Sinatra. Please stay tuned next week for part two and in the meantime if you want to take charge of your health do a 180 please give us a call at 281-698-8698 that's 281-698-8698 thank you for joining us here today at Dr. Hoodie's Wellness Revolution. provided on this radio program is neither intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice and is not intended to replace the services of a physician, nor does it constitute a doctor-patient relationship. You should not use information from this radio program to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without consulting with a qualified health care provider. If you have or suspect you have an urgent medical problem, promptly contact a professional health care provider or call 911. Dr. Hotze's Wellness Revolution radio program advises you to always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified health provider prior to starting any new treatment or with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Any application of the recommendations from this radio program is at the listener's discretion.